Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Talk about podcast. Welcome to the Center for Technological Innovation and Entrepreneurship Podcasts. My name is Pierre Jean, and today I will be your host. In this episode today, we are going to talk about entrepreneurship, career, and family, the big three. Marta, welcome, and thank you for our invitation. So, Marta, can you tell us a little bit about you, your career, personal insights? We'd like to know more about Marta. Uh, hi, Pierre. Thank you so much for inviting me to, to be here. It's a real honor. Um, so a little bit about myself. So I'm, I'm Portuguese, born and raised uh, in Lisbon. I studied uh, in, at Nova SB uh, management. When I finished my course, I went to, I went to London. Actually, I had done uh, an internship on the last year at Credit Suisse and they made me an offer at the end. So when I finished my degree, I went straight to, to, to London to work at Credit Suisse. Uh, in the capital markets division. I was there for around 10 years, uh, having relocated in the meantime uh, between London, Madrid, and then finally Lisbon. Um, when I came to Lisbon, I started getting more and more involved uh, in the innovation space, and I started angel investing in, in early stage startups with uh, a big focus in, in FinTech, because obviously it was my background. Uh, that really was, what unlocked i would say my you know the next stage of, of my career you know coming uh with close dialogue and connection with the early stage entrepreneurs i loved it's really a privilege anyone that invests in early stage startups i think will, will tell you this you meet a lot of really great people uh building the future so that's really inspiring and that's when i after investing in some you invest has a very early stage, then the next round of funding comes and obviously the, the, what you can help the startup gets more and more minimized. So it was for me when I started feeling I really wanted to, you know, be involved in, in, in a startup for the long run. And that's when then I got to build the student finance. Wow, excellent, thanks. <laughs> so moving now. Moving now to what you're currently doing and tell us about, about that, that, that student finance. The, and tell us about this income shared agreement kind of stuff and, uh, and how it works and what's the added value for the students and for the, for the, uh, for the institutions as well. So, yeah. so as, as student finance, what we're doing is building the, the tech and finance infrastructure to offer income share agreements. And income share agreements are a deferred payment model where students pay nothing upfront for education, and then they pay a percentage of their income once they are employed and earning above a predefined minimum income threshold. What this does is solving, obviously, affordability, right? Because anyone can access the, the programs, uh, while really aligning the incentives towards student success. And that's really the big, big innovation that we see behind the model. Because when you offer a success-based model, it aligns incentives and we are really committed into helping uh, not only on the job placement but obviously on optimizing your career options etc so we put a lot of, of effort in knowing the job market into giving our students a lot of insights about the career path and really the options that are available uh, in the market uh, it's, it's very interesting so we partner with the 
mostly now with boot camps in technology and, and, and digital skills, but, but also universities are starting to adopt the model. And it really just, when you offer an ISA, you really trust the quality of the education that you're delivering. And I think that message is very, very powerful. And, and tell us a little bit, for some people it can be a little bit news for them about this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, income shared agreement. Is that something that is uh, widely used in other geographies, perhaps the US or the UK? It's something that is more normal than perhaps here in continental Europe, like France or Portugal or Spain, correct? Yeah, so the model started emerging more and more in, in the US. Obviously, the US has a, a, a huge um, student debt problem. Uh, and the fact that tuition fee prices over the, the past decade have massively been increasing is only uh, exponentiating that, that problem. Uh, and so uh, certainly the US is where you're seeing uh, the biggest players coming to the market. Uh, now, th the interesting thing is that across the world, you are seeing adoption of this model. I would say that the most innovative education programs that have been coming out, uh, several of them are ISA first, meaning that their main way of accessing that program is through an ISA. And that's very interesting. And we, we, we have requests to collaboration from schools really all over the globe. So we are focusing now in, in Europe, uh, but LATAM, Southeast Asia, etc. So the model is clearly emerging. So it's not something that you would expect any student to, to know and hear about, but it's becoming certainly a lot more uh, wildly known and something that people really want to, to benefit from. Okay, and if we want to have more information, we can go to your website, it's studentfinance.com. Yes, .com. Excellent. So, interesting. So you moved from, you know, from uh, corporate banking, investments, you created and you, 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 you were part of the funding team for student finance. And you have actually a significant experience in corporate banking, venture capital, and um, it's not only that, I mean, your life is, you also have a family and you have a family with a mother of three kids. Uh, talking now to our perhaps younger audience or the students that are here finishing undergrad or, or master, it's, it may seem overwhelming and, you know, raising a family, having, a, a, you know, a um, job like you have now and, and creating your startup. How is that possible? So tell us what are the actually the tricks or the, the, the thing that you've been doing in, able, in order to be at this level now, able to manage all of that. I think the, the, the only thing really, to be honest, is knowing your priorities really well. So, you know, obviously whenever you are um, juggling between an intensive work and a family, that's something you need to have on the table, right? Uh, for instance, I'm also part of, I co-founded Portugal Fintech, which is something that I'm uh, also very involved with, for instance. But I think the, the, the main thing is that I really know what fields I want to be involved in and everything connects. So, you know, the work that I do at Portugal Fintech, the work that I do at, at Student Finance, you know, the work, the work that I, you know, that I do as an annual investor, they, they all leverage each other, right? So on that part, they all keep me to move forward and be better on, on, on the pack. Uh, so, you know, and I think they really follow my passion and that's really what I, what I like to do, right? So in a lot of sense, they are not work all the time, there are really things that I really care about uh, and that I really want to be involved with 
to, to start with. Um, putting a family on the mix. Uh, you know, obviously other things get dropped, but just not either the work or the family. Uh, obviously you rest less, you have you know, less free time for other things. But I think it's really a matter of what you prioritize. If, you, if, you, if this is important, you'll, you'll make it work. And, and t tell us a little bit about that. Actually, I'm, I'm super curious. Some people have you know, a tendency to say, I'm going to reserve this two hours, half hour, one hour for the family. And from this time to this time, and I'm going to be doing that. So some people are super kind of planned. Yeah. Or so pe some other people take that like, okay, now it seems like I have to spend time, you know, with the family because the kids need some help or, you know, we need to do some activities and I'm going to do that now. And after I'm going to patch up for work later on, what would be your, your, yeah. your attitude uh, facing that? You would be more kind of the organized person, you know, you have from 7 to 7.30, you do that, from 8 to 8.30, you do that, or you're the other side of, or the other type of person? No, yeah, so, so I follow uh, not a, a work-life balance, but a work-life blend. Uh, so I think it all kind of comes uh, together. I, I, I think that, so at Student Finance, we are a remote first company. I think that helps a lot, to be honest, because I'm home. And you know, the fact that even though I might be working on my office, etc., I think the fact that you're physically around and available makes a big impact. And it's not that I was out of you know, the house from uh, eight to eight or something. So I am around and that really helps to balance things because you know, I can totally, when they come from school, I can be half an hour with them and then just you know, pop up for, for you know, continued work, etc. But I, I'm not that I'm not that organized. So I, you know, obviously at this stage of student finance, I, I often work at nights and on weekends. Uh, but I'll just try to, you know, if work needs to be prioritized because you know something urgent, I will obviously do it. Uh, you know, dinner times, etc., meals are obviously very important at times that I'm around with them. Um, but it's a balance, and on you kind of try to prioritize what needs attention or the most attention at that time. Uh, so does that make yeah. sense? No? Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it's interesting because we we talk to different people that have different views. Some yeah. people are super strict in terms of the time and they delegate to the partner what has to be done when they focus on something, etc. Some people do more ad hoc and it was interesting to hear your view on that. And, the, and the, 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 the only thing that you cannot be, so obviously I'm not a micromanaging mom. I think that that would be very, very difficult to 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 to, to obviously conciliate. So I, I delegate a lot. I obviously have a lot of help with with my kids, and I'm fine with that. So you see, like I don't feel, you know, I, I don't feel bad or to blame because I don't do some things. I really push for quality time, and obviously when I'm with them, I try to be available. And that's the only thing that it's tricky when you work from home and are because you're always on on, right? There is not, okay, I'm working and the, the home is, you know, clear of their time, etc. For me, it really works. I know for some people that could be uh, difficult to, 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 to make both reconcile, uh, but, but for me, it really, it, it really, so I, 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 I can, you know, change between the two very fast and, uh, and it's not, a, and to be honest, like I work a lot with them on the back and you know you get used to that noise and that vibe of the house yeah. and it's fine right you just get used to your setup and 
Does that mean that when eventually one day when the, the COVID ends, you guys are still planning to work from home? Yes. We, okay. we, so with student points, we, we did have an office back in the early days, but in reality, nobody, almost nobody was going to the office. So, you know, people were, so we were very flexible into the remote versus physical. We have, the office has an option, but the truth is the team didn't want to use it. So a couple of months prior to COVID starting to kind of get a bit more deep, we just decided let's get rid of the office and just assume the remote first. Also, we have a very international team yeah. and it's very hard when you start creating hubs and like you have 60% of the team in one place and then the rest distributed. I think the, the dynamics, the team dynamics uh, are more difficult. So what we try to do is gather everybody around on a frequent basis when we gather, obviously if you need to have a physical meeting, etc. we do. So we do, we do use FitTech House and we all meet. But we try to, when we gather our more social things and to develop on obviously the team side and personal side and just being together and then work we are capable of you know, proceeding on a remote basis. Interesting, because I also believe that uh, COVID will be kind of, uh, not an excuse, but uh, the compelling event that's going to push us to, to reconsider the way we work. And um, we still need to meet physically from time yes, to yeah. time, but the way we're going to meet may be different as you said and you use the word socializing i think this is what people uh, lack when we're doing the zoom and sometimes we need to meet you know to get acquainted with new people that, that join the company and discuss with uh, colleagues etc but the way we're going to interact i also really believe that is going to change and it's here to stay so i think it's interesting that you share yeah, that i agree with that yeah yeah so now let's let's you know we have students now that are knocking at the door when when we open here and they tell us you know let us know if it's better to start as in the corporate life or as an entrepreneur you know some people have this dilemma they, they really love you know pushing ideas and being involved in something that's going to solve a problem but on the other side they're considering you know the 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 importance or the you know the all what a corporate uh, career can bring. And this is especially what I'm gonna ask you in this question to help people okay. also a little bit get some more insight about this decision. And the point is that, you know, you made your career, as you mentioned, at Credit Suisse, just after mm -hmm. leaving uh, Nova SBA, and not as an entrepreneur, but now we see Marta as an entrepreneur. So, uh, and if in the middle, we can say, we, we, we look at the family, do you think that, I mean, it's perhaps a difficult question, but do you think you would have been able to have such, uh, you know, uh, family now, having started as an entrepreneur? Or do you think the corporate life uh, privileges perhaps or give opportunities for more raising a family? Is that more e easier? Or what do you think about that in terms of your choice, corporate entrepreneur, and if you want to have a family or grow a family, how do you see that? Yeah, let me start just by saying when I when I left university, entrepreneurship was not that big thing. So it was not something that we were even highly exposed to when I finished university, just to start with. I know like I think you guys are doing an amazing job on that and really showing that there is actually a very wide opportunity range in different sectors, etc. And, and really pushing for people to know entrepreneurship and really understanding what they can do there. That didn't exist when I finished. And so banking was, was very hot. And 
it was very intense. It was not that you see, like when you say Credit Suisse, it was not that I was opting for a corporate life because it was very, it was a very intense uh, life as well, right? So, uh, but but I see where you're going into the commitment of working for somebody else or starting your own company. It's very different, uh, and we need to to assume this, right? You know, there is a big commitment taking place, and you you know you take a job two years after you change your mind you want to proceed something else you can right when you start a company people are obviously you're hiring people you're raising money etc and you know people are counting on you to deliver on what you planned and what you promised and and, and obviously that entails a very a very big commitment and, and responsibility saying this um i think there are certainly benefits to to both I think when you go and be, you should go and be an entrepreneur when you really find what sparks you. Because I think, you know, mm -hmm. just choosing to be an entrepreneur because you want to be an entrepreneur will not work. It's extremely difficult. It's, you know, it, 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 there is a lot of responsibility, pressure to deliver very fast. Um, you do work a lot, to be honest. Like I, I worked a lot at Credit Suisse, but I think the, the time of my life where I work the most is by far uh, now at building student finance, uh, because you need to do everything, right? Building a, a company in the early stage, you, you need to wear so many hats. You need to do everything, right? Because when you get to the stage where you raise a couple of funding rounds and you're actually happy, you know, to, to have a team of 20, 30 people, there is a lot of work that has been done in, 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 at the beginning and you really need to do it yourself. Like the early team really needs to, to take care of that. So there is a, that part of, of, of the equation. But if you really found what you want, the problem you want to solve and something you want to dedicate yourself to, I think that's great. If you haven't, I think you should go and, well, either work for a startup uh, and, and have that feel. Because what I was optimizing when I started my career was for learning. Now, at the stage of my career I'm at, I'm actually optimizing for impact, which is very, which is very different. I think when you start your career, you should 90% out of 100 times optimize for learning. You really you know, at the beginning of your career, that's really the stage that you need to be exposed to a lot, which a lot of times is not what you get from a corporate job. You see, like, so even like working in a, in a startup, or going for an industry where you will have that high learning exposure is what I would privilege the most versus entrepreneur versus, you know, versus corporate when I'm making that choice. Now I'm just going to the second part of your question, which was like, obviously, and I speak with a lot of young women that do make these questions, to be honest, which is like, is, is this compatible? I think we are selling the message that entrepreneurship and families are not compatible, which I totally disagree. And I think it's a message we really need to, to kill <laughs> ASAP. I think what we need to be clear about is commitment, right? When you are building a company, when you are an entrepreneur, the commitment you're making is, 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 is very different. I don't think anybody entrepreneur or not can be successful if you're not fitting your other priorities, right? And I think this is equal for women and men, right? If you really want a family and you feel that you cannot fulfill that because you made a commitment to a startup, eventually that will crack. So we, you need to make your top priorities compatible. And if a family is your top priority, you need to make both work. I know that investors, and I would say like the community in general, 
will put a lot of might put a lot of pressure and make people feel so a lot of times I think people probably want to start a career but feel that they shouldn't or that they can't or obviously that that will compromise the commitment and that is what I think we should address will that compromise the commitment or not not the motherhood or not because personally I I you know like at least nobody was ever upfront with that with me that I have three kids, right? And so obviously it's clear that that is a priority for me and that I also allocate time to that, right? And nobody ever questioned my capacity as a founder because I have three kids. So then that leaves me to question then what is our issue with people having kids, right? Is it the maternity, the maternity leaves? Is it the, the fact that people will be out and that we fear that that time out means you know they will be less committed or a change in commitment i think that, that is what we need to address and so to anyone that wants to start a company and still have a family i just think we need to to, to be very upfront about this and just you know like we can be committed at both you know i clearly am committed to both right at my family and at my company so you know if you need to be out for two or three months you just need to communicate that in a very positive way and that that will not change your commitment but just knowing that as an entrepreneur, you cannot just, you know, one day call someone and just say, you go, I'll be out for six months. That doesn't work. Which doesn't mean that it's not compatible with a family. But you just need to know that. But I also feel that if you are highly committed and involved into your company, I find very unlikely that you would leave for four months and just disconnect. Mm -hmm. You need to balance, but I think they are highly compatible and people need to understand they are and need to be. And this is the same for women and men, right? You have a, an amazing career and a family and, you know, like we all need to make this work. It's not only women. So, you know, we need to, I would take really the pressure off maternity leaves and just putting the, the focus on commitment and making sure that everybody's aligned, that that commitment exists, right? This is, yeah, this is an amazing reflection. I mean. I like that because I think some people may assume that being, you know, uh, a woman that you will be only committed to your family perhaps and you're going to leave uh, other commitments on, on, on the second level. What you're saying is different. I mean, I mean because you can have both commitments together and, and achieve amazing things on the entrepreneurship level and still be an outstanding, you know, uh, uh, mother. So which is interesting and i also believe that if you set your priorities and you you true with yourself in terms of you know uh, being committed to your work but also your family you will arrange the two and this is something that perhaps we need to discuss more and and share more that because there's uh, perhaps the expectation that if you're a woman if you go to maternity leave and you raise the kids you're not going to be available as you were available before 100% for your venture, which is something that is not correct. Okay. Because th that's an idea. And people, yeah. you know, we have this bias because we have that idea and we have the idea that women, women will change after maternity and that the priorities will change and that the commitment will change. And I just question that principle in the first place. I, I, I certainly don't, don't feel I fit there at all. And I think a lot of people don't. And I find, I find very dangerous this idea. And I do have these questions and comments from a lot of young women about them feeling that they need to choose. I, I, I think that's really terrible uh, because they are compatible. And, and, and same thing, like uh, a man entrepreneur can lose commitment by 
an amount of reasons, yeah. right? Like the, the, the things that now, because we, we really put maternity leave in a bucket that, okay, now she will change. And this, to be honest, is not only entrepreneurship. This happens in the corporate world as well. People assume like, okay, she will not come the same. And that's just very wrong. And, and, and I think it's very unfair, to be honest, I mean. I think these discussions should happen as well in front of a class uh, of yeah. students that, uh, you know, in, in, in that's about to choose for a job or going out for, you know, to find their first job. Because I think uh, this question, it's not, it's not only for, for it's, 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 you know, it's for women, but it's not only for women in terms no, of commitment, etc. I think it would be interesting to discuss that live with uh, with students. Okay, to debunk a little no, bit. No, absolutely. I, I'm. I would love that. I, I think the point is with entrepreneurship, putting motherhood and paternity aside, is when you are. That is the big. I think the big thing when you are choosing between being entrepreneur and going to work for someone for someone else or taking a corporate job. You. The thing. The big difference is the commitment. And it's a very different commitment. And we need to, you see, like, that's what I think we all need to be in line with. When you are choosing, you need to know what you're signing up for. And they are very different. Yeah. Interesting. So I'll, I'll take that so far as a highlight on that. Thanks for, the, <laughs> for that. So we discussed a little bit your career, you know, uh, what you've been doing, etc. And again, moving back to, you know, plans, not plans, etc. Do you plan your career? You, Marta, do you plan? I mean, you started with Credit Suisse. We know why. No, entrepreneurship was not that big at the time. Banking was hot. You decided to go there. But at some point, uh, you moved to, to some entrepreneurship you know, path. So yeah. what made you uh, change that? Is that impact? Is that other reasons why you decided to change? So more than you know, saying how do you how do you plan? Uh, I'm a little bit sceptical sceptical of planning too much, just because I think the opportunities come along if you are open to them, as you progress and you mature and you obviously gain more experience in, in the fields. And I do see a lot of people that are leaving very unhappy jobs because they are following the plan and you know they just stick to okay i'm following the plan and then you, and then you know how that works then it's the next bonus then is the next promotion then it's the next and and you're trapped into something and you're you're following the plan and then the mba comes and then you yeah. the, the thing is that is great as long as you are reflecting along the way that that is still the best choice for you at the time and at what you're optimizing for at the time. So I, I, I've said before that when I started, I was clearly optimizing for, for learning and now I'm optimizing for impact. I, I, I do learn a lot, thankfully. Uh, but the, the things that for me, a corporate job, was, so, so the impact that I felt I could have in that kind of job was not at you know, the level that I wanted to, obviously, and that pushed me to, to, to move to more entrepreneurial things. But I... I think that my journey was more that I started understanding more and more what drives me. And I started focusing more on that, to be honest, more than anything. Mm -hmm. I, I love finance and investment. I learned a lot at Credit Suisse. But then, you see, I started getting into fintech and that really unblocked, I would say, the, the second stage of, of my career. So it was more about 
and the opportunities came as I started to build networks and to really kind of get involved into a community around the things that I really liked. You see, because th that's how I see things happening. I started investing, I started actually engaging and meeting a lot of people that were you know, in line with what I wanted to build next and then opportunities start unraveling. So when, if, if, you, if you would have asked kind of Marta, 25 years old, uh, is this an option? I would not have seen it. Yeah. Because at the time that was not an option. At the time, my network was very different. I was living in London in a very, you know, like investment banking life. You know, those were the kind of the tribe that I was involved with was was that. And so I was obviously following a path of, okay, I'm growing here in, mm -hmm. internally in this path. And the, it just changed as I, you know, obviously started focusing more and more about my future and, and, and building networks around that. So I think people need to pay a lot of attention to one really what they like and that will change and that's really fantastic <laughs> i think i think what is interesting here is that you have the capacity to reflect on on what you want based on what is available at the time so i think uh, instead of perhaps you know going into what the the current situation and next position next uh, job position and next things to happen in the system is Perhaps you have this ability to say, this is what I want to do. This is my options. Uh, I like that as well. Let's give it a try. Even if it's not planned a long time ago, like it's five, 10 years in advance, because we know some people that say, you know, I want to get the general manager of that. I want to get to my EBA after I want to get to uh, another country to be head of a special country, etc." I think this is not your case, but you're able to know based on what the, the surrounding is providing you, what you like and what you're adding value is you decide what's going to be next. So but, but, but the thing is, you know, like for instance, because I think I'm, I'm, I'm in some sense maybe a good example there because I really like the corporate life. It's not that I, you see, it's not that I say, okay, no, because some people do that. Okay, I tried the corporate life and mm -hmm. that doesn't work for me. I was like, no, I, I loved it. I loved the, the time that I had at Paris Swiss and it was a very extensive time. The thing is that then what I was optimizing for and changed. And yeah. once you realize that that is no longer the case and you need to changing, it's very tough. Huh? And I'm saying this, but you know, when you are, you know, at that period, so I left Paris Swiss and then I was angel investing and I would frequently, so I was obviously coming from that corporate background, I would frequently have people and tell me, no, but you, you know, like go to this opportunity in uh, the corporate world. And it was, you see, like, and, and people that liked me and obviously were trying to advise me in the best way possible. They were not, you know, like, they really thought that was the best for me because they didn't understand that I was investing into something else. You see, there was like, oh, okay, but you're there, and where is this going? And people fear that 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 might not go anywhere. And they try to influence you with their perspective. So I think what I have managed to do there is stick to what I really felt was the way. And, you know, for me, the clear thing is I wanted a different impact. I was sure I was not going to have the impact and the autonomy and kind of the ability to do things and implement my vision the way I wanted in the corporate, in that corporate world. So, but, but saying this, it was, it's obviously your, it's not easy. Being an entrepreneur, it's not easy changing when you are in the corporate and you want to make transition from corporate to entrepreneurship, it's not easy. And one thing also, so one thing I kind of believe is that we prepare the student for the next five to seven, maximum 10 years 
job, but perhaps we're not very good at telling them that things will change and things you will change as a person, the environment will change and your priorities will change. And at some point you're going to have to sit down with yourself and have a, a piece of paper and see, you know, am I happy? Is that what I want to do, etc. And this, what I would call this transition in our life happens sometimes, you know, when you get into a family, when you have something happening, etc. Or when you decide at some point that, you know, that's it. I gave everything that I had to give to this job. Perhaps I'm not learning the way I would like to learn. I want to do something different. So long story short is I think we don't prepare that well to students for this change of segment of life. We prepare them and perhaps they believe they're going to be always in the banking world or they're going to be etc but we don't prepare them for this reflection time that can be six months one month one day one year of you know considering what you're doing what you want to do and getting to the next step yeah that's what happens i mean you are one of the example and we have other examples that people that change from you know a specific career to another one and this this moment in the middle is something that is difficult because you need to choose you know It's, it's and you need important. to the thing is that you need choosing you really need to trust your your instinct because you don't know you're right you don't know that it's going to, that's going to work you don't know that that is going to lead to something successful exactly. but that's fine you see like that's fine as long as you know you're really sure that you're following what it's right for you at that stage and you know what you're trying to get out of that because like if that doesn't work and you okay so if that doesn't work you you will then see what is the next best thing and what makes sense for you at that stage in your life. But I agree that, I certainly agree that we don't reflect enough as, yeah. you know, a society, but certainly exactly. young people, when they leave jobs, they are going for the first one. They are not thinking yeah. or they, or actually they are thinking too much ahead, right? That that is going to be the thing. Yeah, exactly. This is, so thanks, thanks for this input. I think it's very, I mean, it's, it's adding a lot of value, providing perspective, you know, to to all these people that are hearing and what what may happen and planning or not planning or you know taking advantage of the surrounding and knowing what you want to do. I think this is important. Now going and, back and, to and, and just one small, yeah. small thing about that. Yeah. And I think at that stage, at that you know stage in your life, like the five, the initial five years of your career. Regardless of what you're doing, you need to try to experiment a lot and and get exposure to different things and variations of even if what you like is finance there are imagine my case right there, i'm still in finance <laughs> the thing is that you know finance has so many hats and so many different perspectives yeah. so even if you know like in you know a uh, high concept where you want to be but try to you know network uh, get exposure you know try to really try read etc different things because a lot of times you are in one, in one career but there could be something that was really what would drive you but just you didn't try it right and we just go for what we know and yeah yeah, yeah. so now adding to that and perhaps moving a little bit the the needle to another another tune is uh, we'd like to provide some perspective to the the students that are hearing and and, and the people that's going to be listening is uh, to try to to draft to draw some deep differences or similarities between the you know the the investment world and the entrepreneurship world so how would you see now with the perspective you have and the experience is what would be perhaps similar between entrepreneurship and investment and what would be perhaps the the, the, the biggest differences that you would have between these two different worlds 
I think they are completely different, to be honest. I, obviously, they intersect a lot, right? And you have... I would find that a lot of times, obviously, the, the, the passion that you would find in a VC investor and in a founder about, you know, that field, etc., to be, you know, very deep and, and, and very aligned. But the work is, is completely different, right? So the, when, when you are uh, running a fund, your, your job is like to start with fundraising. Obviously, that's a capital part. And, you know, obviously, that most often falls to the partners of the fund, not to, you know, if you join a VC fund. But uh, imagine someone starts their the career, they would, you know, do deal sourcing. So they will do have that part of engaging with a lot of different entrepreneurs, study the business model, understanding you know, the, the plans, etc. Uh, and then the other stage is once they make the investments, then uh, having the management. So they will have board meetings, they will have the founders build their vision, etc. But it's most often a very light touch management. So obviously they are involved, but much more on the strategic angles of, of the investment, where things are going, etc. I would even dare to say that when things, the more involved the, the the VC or the fundees is when things are actually not going that well, right? Because in an ideal world, the VC is kind of giving a lot of guidance, but is not hands-on, the, the management of, of, of the company. When you are an entrepreneur, you know, it's kind of the opposite. You are really hands-on. You need to leverage all the knowledge and all of the network you can have. So I, I would say that's something that you will certainly push a lot your investors to give you, right? You know, like, I need to access these, help me get there. Investors do give a lot of credibility to, you know, an early stage startup, obviously. So uh, it's very important when you are a founder who you are surrounded by. And so, you know, th those synergies that you can create with, with your investors. But your job is to create the vision and execute. So you are on the day to day. You are on the hands on, on the driving wheel of, of, of building um, the company. So I would say they are, they are completely different. Yeah. I do ask, I'm asked often, how do you get into VC? To be honest, this is something that I, I get a lot. Oh, okay, I want to be an analyst in a VC fund. It's, it's very difficult. Uh, to start with, there are very, VCs are small teams, mm -hmm. typically. So you don't have a lot of open roles available uh, traditionally. And I would say the best thing for you, even if you want to go there, is to really start engaging with the startup community. Because what you need to show to a VC is that you have the network, right? You are, you will be able to, you know, get deal flow. You will be able to get involved to bring really good investment opportunities. Uh, so, you know, getting involved with the startup community, knowing the companies, knowing the founders, helping, etc., will get you massively ahead when uh, opportunities emerge on on, on VC funds. Because that's what you will need to show that you can bring. If you have zero experience in startup land and you go to a VC fund, it's like, I would love to work here. It's just like, thanks, but you're not adding value. And you really need to, right, to add that. And, and tell me one thing, I'm gonna go into, in both, uh, in both being an investor and being uh, in entrepreneurship, the person that, as you mentioned, that create the vision and deliver, do you believe that in both you had night without sleeps or thinking, you know, it's not going to work, etc.? Or is that more something that is related to, you know, because I believe and you need to debunk that is being an entrepreneur, especially at the early stage, 
mm -hmm. you feel the pressure of delivering and you you perhaps missing the structure of corporate and, and the, you know, the people working with you and sometimes it keeps you sleeping at night you know it may keep you awake and making you know the pressure to deliver do you think it's only i'm, I'm wrong in terms of that being specific to entrepreneurship and it, it happens also in as an investor or you think it's it's the case well i think for instance there are very different things i think an investor can have sleepless nights when there are for instance uh, fundraising right it's it's a it's a high pressure intense process of obviously getting people to back the fund, etc., or when something goes really wrong, right? When there is a really big problem going around. But they are more, you know, contained in time, right? They are specific. In an early stage uh, entrepreneur, I think that's continuous and that's just the definition of having too much to do with very little hands around. So I would say that it's not even that you would stress about, that, that it's not only the stress around figuring things out, is the amount of things you need to do full stop. It's just like, you just, you just really need to deliver a lot and you know that, and it depends if you are, you know, venture backed or investor backed or not, but like, you know that you will be raising your next round by then, you need to deliver to those KPIs. You know that you made promises that you would grow at a certain pace, and that is and that is the expectation right people invested in you because of that vision of that expectation and so you and at the beginning certainly you you know when you have a team of 10 people with the amount of things you have to do i think it's very hard not to have that stress to be honest yeah. that's something i'm 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 so now you see like a lot of people you see around saying you know you need to obviously um optimize for productivity and efficiency and etc and you don't need to be busy you know it's so busy like I, I would love that i still you know i'm i'm i i still don't know how to do i'm obviously i'm working a lot and i'm stressing a lot on the things that i should be doing that i haven't done yet uh and that creates stress like obviously I don't know, hopefully in, in, in some time I will be better and be able to tell you that you don't have to stress that much or work that much. At this stage, I, I still do. Now, I think your feedback and what you're mentioning is aligned with what you hear. I mean, it's, it's the fact that you have so many things to do, that time is limited and also your resources are limited and you're creating something that hasn't been done before usually, is that you don't have a lot of processes in place and people to help you with. I mean, you feel the heat and the heat is part of this position that you have as an entrepreneur and, uh, you know, being perhaps the, the voice of this, the company and, and, and you know, having to, to do zillions of things at the same time and still being on track for the calls with the investors and deliver and show that things have been done, etc. So there's a lot of heat. Yeah, and, and you know, for me specifically, so I was, before uh, I actively angel invested, right? So I was dealing with early stage startups. And now that I'm on the other side, to be honest, I think even dealing with that and I knew the people and each other, et cetera, I had no idea how difficult, to be honest, uh, early stage is, right? When you are really from zero, I think from zero to one, uh, on my perspective, but also I come from the corporate world. So for me, when things start getting concrete, I, probably I deal better <laughs> with that structure, right? When, you know, things are real, we have clients, we know what we're doing, etc. But the zero to one, it's, it's very hard because you're, you're building on a vision and you really need to get everything to work. Uh, and, and that is a high pressure thing to do, for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
Okay, so now at this point, we know about you, your background, what you're doing as student finance, what is student finance, you know, uh, when you did the, the switch to entrepreneurship from Credit Suisse. Now we would like to to go a little bit on, on one subject that has to do with gender, you know. And as a woman, what we would like to know, and perhaps for the audience as well, is if during your career you, you face some obstacles because of your gender, and if yes, could you share that with us? And, and, and was it you know, something that uh, sometimes was difficult in the career, both in, as an investor and, and, uh, and as an entrepreneur? So the straight answer is going to be no. I, I, to be honest, I, I, I never felt there were particular obstacles to because of my gender whatsoever. And putting in context, banking when I started was like obviously a highly dominated uh, male environment, etc., etc. But that doesn't mean that there are not things. For instance, when you go on maternity leave and on that year, regardless of your performance, you you will not be paid a bonus. That's not fair. You see, like, and that happened to me, but that is because it's not fair. It doesn't mean that I think that was an obstacle because my approach to that is I'm not willing to give up on, you see, like at that time, I was not willing to give up being a, a mother because of that bonus. So, you know, it's not fair, but I was fully aligned that that was the choice I was making and was fine, you see, but when I, when I came back, I came back a hundred percent and that was like that thing of when you really not going to the stereotype that you know but then you come back and you are not focused etc so you know and, and I made sure that when I was back I was back so I would not take half times etc I was back because my colleagues were also and they also had families and I think we we also need to break a little bit the concept of that just women have families like men have families as well and they also have kids and they also have so I think that applies to everybody uh, and and obviously women tend to sometimes get some benefits of that and to be honest that ends up being detrimental because people yeah. think that oh, okay oh now she now she, she only wants to work until three or now she only wants to work until five but you know every person needs to make that choice my choice is obviously I, I for me this is top priority I'm not going to have you know, obviously give up on my family for these, but when I'm back, I'm back. Okay. I, I don't compromise then the work part because of that. But to be honest, it's a personal option. But I don't think that is an obstacle per se. Well, it's, a, it's our choices we need to make. Uh, but I think as, as managers, we all need to be more supportive of that and making sure that you know, like you will not stop hiring that person because she might be having children in the next years or that, you know, we need to think long term on these. Like, I don't, I don't think like even on the bonus thing, like you should just pay the bonus because, you know, like the person is not just this year and maybe the performance was even good this year. Right. You need to think on, on, on the long term. And, 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 and I think that message is very important for employees as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think. Okay, so I understand, I understand your point here on that it's a mix uh, of your priorities, your attitude, even though uh, in the workplace sometimes there is things that are specific to gender. Okay, you get this maternity leave, you don't get the bonus, but you know, why don't we get the bonus? 
but because your commitment was to have a family, you took on this commitment because it was your priority. Okay, but perhaps also on, on the workplace, there are things that could be perhaps uh, different in terms, you know, to allow people that work actually for the performance of the company, even if they go on leave for maternity, they should perhaps be eligible for a bonus. Okay, so this is things that perhaps... Yeah, but, but to be honest, that's also very specific to to the role that I was performing. So I, I don't think either like that, that was a very specific thing, but I think we just need to make sure that we are obviously being fair. Yeah. Uh, under that circumstance and that, you know, because people were out for four months, not treat them as if they were out for, you know, two years, <laughs> because it's it's not that long. And uh, But on the other side, when you are going on a maternity leave, you also need to understand that your team is going to cover for your work. And you need to also have respect for that. You see, I think the fact that, for instance, the fact that me and my team, we were very close, gave me a lot of perspective over that. So I knew that they were taking my job over the, the time that I was out. And I certainly respected that and thanked a lot for that. Because I knew that was obviously extra work on them. So. Okay, thanks. Thanks for this, uh, for this uh, perspective. The next, the next point that we would like to discuss and we're going to get to closure uh, on, on the next questions is uh, you won the Women Entrepreneurship Award last year in 2020, okay? Um, do you think, uh, in terms of this uh, award that is uh, that was launched by the, the Catholica Lisbon School of Business and Economics, do we need, do do you think that we need to um, promote this this type of events? Do you think this is helpful? Uh, to raise awareness uh, on the, you know, this uh, perhaps, the, the, and, and this is a fact in terms of the data, we have much less uh, women entrepreneurs than, than male and we have other data in terms of getting to funding, etc. How, how do you see this kind of, um, of uh, prices or contests or, you know, events um, in the community? I think I, I think it's fantastic. Once you know, obviously, I was very pleased to to to, to win last year. I think it's super important. It's it's kind of that thing that you cannot be what you cannot see. So you know, going back to role modeling and and showing what what other women are doing specifically, and that you know, when you say that, obviously, this 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 award is is a big credibility stamp, right? It's it's and that is very important, and it's something that women sometimes need more than men right you need to feel you know that you're being valued and that, that you are capable to do the job etc so i think that obviously on one side having that visibility that exposure is super important on the other side it gives an opportunity for the women that participated as well to network and that's something that i think women also need a lot right to network more between themselves and to you know get those learnings going right because Women, and I think when you go to interpretive, is that men are more likely to, or, you know, I'm stereotyping, of course, but to take risks and to even, you know, if they think they are not fully capable, you know, they'll give it a try. And women are much more reserved to that, right? We always feel, you know, we are not ready enough, you know, things that for entrepreneurship, you will never be ready. So you cannot take that approach because that's, you know, then you don't do it. And then it comes like, oh, okay, but then I want to have a, a baby. And then, and then you just don't do it. Right? because then the timing was right and the timing was, was wrong and then, and then the timing is never right, right? So we need to certainly give a lot more exposure to women entrepreneurs and, and 
and make them know each other more and, and, and give space for a lot more of knowledge sharing and experience. I think also one point that, that we got and the, the feedback we got is about the impact it has in terms of role models. Absolutely. For example, having you and, uh, and last year and the year before Joanna Raphael gives an idea to the community that being a woman, you can be a successful entrepreneur, you can have a family and you can do, you know, all these things, you know, and it's not uh, a path that upfront could not be considered. It's something you can be successful. And, and I think uh, providing the community with this example, with these role models, allows people to think, hey, if she's I able do to it. do it, I can perhaps also do it. It looks like cool to do it. And I think I would enjoy that. That's okay. And uh, this is one of the feedback we did about that. We, we got about that is the role models and the people that we put up front to the community to see what they've been achieving and where, to the level that they get and the impact that they actually having on the community is something that I think was wow. I think is, is important for, for people. It's very important. It is. It yeah. is very important. Yeah, it is. So um, I think we all have uh, went through a, a lot of points about you, about your career, about you know your choices, about you know. Uh, being a woman as an entrepreneur and changing, you know, from from corporate to entrepreneurship. I have a last question for you, and the question is about, uh, like we do usually, is about advices. You know? If you had to, I have a I have a daughter. She's 14. Actually, she's Martha as well, but she has an H in the middle. So, it's, it's, and what would would you give uh, advice to, you know, specifically students and perhaps a little bit perhaps older? But um, female students, in uh, in terms of starting their career, and what would you perhaps tell them that they should be considering and, and thinking of and, and you know doing? I, I think to start, you need to, and this is very hard. I think early on to really understand really what you love doing, your passion. It's very hard, and I think we don't, we also don't support people enough throughout the education to find their thing, what sparks them. Because you know, then we start going to very, you know, cliche jobs, etc., and career path because we didn't enough. So the, the, I would say the best advice I would give is throughout university, experiment a lot, get exposure. Like internships are super important. Really yeah. go into the job, see what it's like, see if you see yourself doing that job, and not for the next 20 years. It's fine if you, you know, <laughs> for for the next five, but if it's something that you know really sparks you if the people actually the people are something that i think it's very very important uh the team you will be working for you really need to enjoy people you work because otherwise i find you will not obviously be able to put half of you into the job if you don't like it and you're not you're you don't like uh, or are um inspired by the people you really need to be inspired by it, especially in the early you know years of your career you yeah. really be inspired by the people that are surrounding you and they really need to because they are there and they are really good at their job you they really need to make you want to learn so much more and go to the next stage so you know and find a job that gives you a very high learning curve mm -hmm. you know there are jobs and jobs i would say that at the start of your career particularly that's very important get 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 a job that you don't want to be behind the desk forever and always doing the same thing. You need to 
the fact that you need to be frequently put in uncomfortable situations and be out of your comfort zone, etc., it's very important uh, skill to learn. Uh, so I would I would try that. Um, but so to summarize, I would internships and try different things. Don't go like ah, I think I like finance. Try different roles. Try different industries. No, go and in, and work in a startup. Go and work in a corporate. Go and work and and, and find that out. Uh, and I, these days, I think now it's very different than it was for me because universities now have a lot of clubs, a lot of things. When I when I was studying, you know, this obviously doesn't exist. But find your community because I think when you go and you like you you will understand like do I want to hang around with you know these people that are into finance or marketing or tech or something. But really find your tribe i think the tribe, yes you know, like the, the tribe what, thing is like what, yeah. when, when you because that will unlock so many things if you really like and you are interested in what you're doing and you really like the people you're surrounded with i think 90 percent of the work is done right and you will enjoy it and the growth will be very natural versus when you and if you don't like the job Obviously, I'm, I, I will I, I will make a disclaimer because I know these days sometimes people don't stick enough to, to like and it's not like all jobs have very thing a lot of things that you will not like. But once you really understood that this is not for me, cut the loss and move. Mm -hmm. Don't stick around for don't years. Suffer. Don't suffer. Like, don't stick around for years in an industry or a company you clearly don't like and it's clearly not something that is going to or should not be part of your personal future because someone tells you, ah, if you leave the, before two years, it's going to look bad on your CV or etc. Like, saying this, I'm not incentivizing anyone to, okay, after two months, you're not happy. Obviously, you, in every job, there are a lot of things you will love and a lot of things that you will not love so much. But whenever you know that's not the path, cut the loss and, and move to the next thing. I think your point on the internship is super important. I mean, we can see the differences with students that went through internships and the one that yet didn't go through that. I mean, it brings a sense of perspective, a sense of, you know, what is, uh, before you choose actually what you want to do, it allows you to test a little bit, you know, how you integrate into the, the workplace, what people do, etc. So I also do share the fact that uh, previous experience or internship are super important for the students and I think they should do that even more than what they're doing currently. Yeah. And, and, and also that part of networking because you know yeah. what internships is one but then also you know the universities gives you such a, a big exposure to a pool of people make best use of that so go and make questions you'll ask what they do because a lot of times you know people especially you know like when I'm in banking there are so many things people didn't really understand what the job was so I think you really need to make concrete questions what is your day-to-day -day? what are you doing what you know why are you doing that why and really understand because if it's something that they're really interested about then it will click right and when someone will tells you when it clicks you know this is something I should try doing right wow okay excellent so <laughs> thanks a lot for Thank the you, time very interesting answers um, in terms of uh, you know your, your career, your life, uh, getting a family, you know, um, making some choices, reconsidering some choices in the middle of your career. I think it's uh, it's very useful for people that are listening, 
and especially for our audience that are, you know, students or young professionals. So, I do thank you very much, Marta. Thanks for your time. Thanks for these uh, insights. And I wish you all the best for you and your family in the next month and years. Thank and you. see you soon. Talk about podcasts.